Welcome to Pine Devitt's Podcast. Season 1. Human Meaning. Episode 2. Today's episode. Unfortunately, the 2020 pandemic has taken millions of lives worldwide. What have we learned as humans so far? Can the United States of America keep on being an exemplary democracy? As we humans race into space exploration, a new NASA rover will land on Mars in less than three weeks. I am your host and friend, David Pineda. I am so glad to have the opportunity to be with you on Spotify. Thank you for letting me spread on behalf of the Pine Davids community the message of unity, knowledge, peace that our world needs in these challenging times. Together, we can make it a better place for everyone. Let's get started. Stay until the end. This section is just for you, for nobody else. It is aimed at providing you with insightful information, ideas, questions, and topics to help you create your grandest version of yourself. A better world can only be built with a better you. Almost one year and two months have elapsed since the coronavirus that has affected the world since 2020 was first identified. And on the 11th of March, it will be one year since the pandemic was declared by the World Health Organization. Until today, the 30th of January, the WHO has confirmed over 101 million cases and the unfortunate death of more than 2 million people worldwide. 223 countries have been affected. According to official data, the Americas have accumulated more than 45 million confirmed cases, followed by Europe with 34 million. The United States has the highest number of deaths with more than 400,000. Brazil follows with over 200,000. Mexico has more than 150,000 to date, just like India and the United Kingdom completes the top 5 with more than 100,000 deaths. The scientific community has made a major effort to develop vaccines in record time. However, not all vaccines have been approved by regulatory entities. And if that weren't enough, new variants of the virus have emerged. <laughs> 
although it has not yet been confirmed or denied that these variants offer more resistance to vaccines. Not a very nice outlook. In another episode, we will talk about the good and bad effects the pandemic has had on humanity. Today, I just wanted to give you a brief description of the situation to move on to the main topic. Like all major events and catastrophes that humanity has suffered, the pandemic has brought to light things in which we have failed and things in which we have succeeded as a species. More than talking about the subject, today this section aims to propose the subject to be able to analyze it calmly and discuss it in another episode. It is necessary to understand why not all of us are cooperating to end the pandemic. We have seen on the internet many cases of people who simply do not do their bit and the reaction of people who do has been anger in many cases. It's true, it is very uncomfortable when someone does not do what they are supposed to, but neither is violence the solution. I will try to find the article I read almost a year ago that read something like If we all wore face masks, social distanced, and were quarantined at home for two weeks, the pandemic would be under control in a matter of weeks. But the world we have created does not have the circumstances for this to happen. Millions of people must go out to work. Many in the sector of essential activities support their population. Many others don't. But they still have to work to bring a livelihood home. However, we can all comply with basic sanitary measures, such as wearing face masks, keeping socially distanced, and avoiding social gatherings. So, why don't we do it? I want you to comment on social networks. Why doesn't everyone do it? If you do, what have those who don't told you? If you don't, what makes you think that's the right thing to do? I guess both parties must have a valid argument. Both parties must have a valid argument. Well, I hate wearing masks. It's uncomfortable, it doesn't let you breathe, and so on but I would never leave my house without one. I know that while it is not 100% effective, it does its job of protecting me and others when the full protocol is followed. What other arguments could there be? On the other hand, I understand that many people have to leave home to work. They have no other option. But I know many, and I suppose you too, who have a job that allows them not to leave home, and yet they still look for the best excuse to go out. I really want to go see my family and hug them and have a meal with them, but I know it's irresponsible now. The only thing that I think could be a reason to neglect themselves and others is selfishness. Perhaps if I only thought of myself, I would risk going out to please myself at the expense of others. Another thing I think about is lack of values. In the case of some, the value of home. I have seen that there are people who simply cannot be at home. They must go out because they do not consider their home a place of peace. Anywhere is better. In the case of underdeveloped countries like Mexico, domestic violence increased in times of pandemic. Surely due to a lack of this value and others such as family. What other values do you think are missing? Or do you think that is not the cause of people's irresponsibility? What do you think? Curiously, I have seen in the pandemic the perfect opportunity for reflection, for unity, 
for peace at home and time for oneself. I think we have learned to look for the bad to defend ourselves and we have stopped looking for the good to grow as humans. It is unfortunate, very unfortunate everything that the pandemic has caused us to lose, but there is much more good stuff that we can learn and change from this situation. We have always gone ahead as a species, there is nothing to fear. I deeply wish the pandemic hasn't affected you in any way. Whether if it did or not, what have you learned so far? Share what you think with us. This section is a reminder about how important it is to be one with others. Being yourself doesn't go against caring for others, nor loving others means giving up. Conversely, unity is the only way to make a real change in this lifetime. It's been over a week since the United States changed president and nothing has been heard from Donald Trump. Well, from his own mouth, because a lot is known about what he thinks and does these days. Playing golf and planning for his future. A couple of days ago he just opened the office of the former president to the public, as he makes it clear that he still wants to return to power in some way. Before. It had been said that Mike Pence would be his candidate for 2024. But after he decided to step aside during the last Trump's moment of power, it seems a little remote. Unless Republicans and Democrats indulged him, Mr. Trump is unlikely to run for president again due to a second impeachment process and other possible charges. Nevertheless, he could well grab the reins of the country through his daughter, a son or any other fellow Republican. But there is still a long way to go for those dates. For now, there are more important things to analyze. It is important not to fall into the polarization game that many leaders in the world have created. Many news media criticize and mock Trump, while others praise him and express their support. But we already know who he is, a bad-tempered, stubborn man. Rather, we must see the true panorama that he leaves and the lessons we can learn from there. To begin with, why did he succeed back in 2016? It is understandable that in those elections he would have been elected despite his lack of political experience for several factors. One is that his impressive experience in the business sector gave people confidence and made them believe that he could do interesting things with the American economy. Another is that many have sympathized with the supposed force that his speeches represent. Our anger disguised as a strength. And a very important one is that we did not know him, or not as well as now. But after seeing the division created in the country and the chaos in which his tenure ended, how can we explain that 74 million have voted for him this time? It's true. It seems that his business experience allowed him to create several jobs for some time, reactivate some forgotten economic sectors, and mobilize the American economy. Regarding taxes, 
he favored laws to avoid increases and even to promote decreases. His foreign policies gave more opportunities to local workers and companies and the financial sector had important rebounds. Up to here, good job. But there was a not-so-short list of serious matters that didn't benefit him. First, his constant denial in the face of the pandemic caused over 400,000 deaths. He left 3 million fewer jobs than when he took office in 2017. 11 alleged years of evading taxes in New York, more than 70 pardons to acquaintances and friends for charges such as fraud, tax evasion, bribery, smuggling, possession and distribution of drugs, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, and the list of things that can be put under the former president's name goes on and on. And there are more lessons we can learn. In the United States, there is also a debate about whether the electoral system needs to be reformed. Let us remember that the American political system was an experiment in democracy in a world full of monarchies. The Americans were pioneers in giving the people the freedom to choose their rulers, but the country also carries a history tainted by racial and other conflicts. In fact, the presidential election through the Electoral College became an apparent solution to the weight exercised by the states with a high population of slaves without the right to vote. The United States has the opportunity to reformulate democracy and reestablish itself as a pioneers in political justice if they decide to adapt their system to the needs of the new millennium. Minor changes like direct majority elections and reforms that would avoid possible political boycotts could make a big change and strengthen American democracy, which has fractured a little bit in recent months. At the party level, some experts assure that the Republican Party faces an internal crisis, while some militants were angry with Trump for encouraging the sedition at the Capitol and for other measures taken several months ago. A large part still supports the businessman, out of fear or convenience. Donald Trump is still believed to have too much power and control within the party to blackmail several Republican politicians for the midterm election. Either they support him or he supports their adversaries. Some other experts dare to assure that the Republican Party could be coming to an end or that it could perhaps be divided into two the right-wing and extreme right-wing led by Trump. I think it is hard for this to happen. The political system is made in such a way that it only favors a two-party structure, so the division of the conservative force would inevitably give power to the liberal force. And that's not democracy either. What does seem likely is that Donald Trump will demand to take the reins of the party with the threat of dividing them if they do not allow it. And since the former president has a strong bastion of loyal supporters, it is easy to understand that Republicans will end up giving in. After all, being on the side of power is not so bad. But the important thing here is what Trump stands for. He has fostered enmity between Americans and Chinese, has offended and denigrated Latin Americans, labeled Mexicans as being the worst, even had disputes with Canada and other European countries. Unity is not a gift Mr. Trump was born with. On the contrary, in the same country, he caused enmity between compatriots. Not to mention that he refed old problems such as racism and encouraged others such as discrimination against women and the LGBTI community. 
he was a man of division, who kindled spirits and encouraged people to break the peace. Even if he had had the best financial security and held proposals, which he didn't, voting for him would have meant accepting more division, more anger, less social stability and less peace. Is this what over 70 million people really wanted? Would they have agreed to toss a coin to see if the financial situation improved in exchange for a guaranteed social problem? Had he won last November, I'm sure he would have made fun of Biden and his voters, just as he did of Hillary Clinton. So why did nearly 63 million people trust him again? Why weren't the red signals enough? Don't get me wrong. I don't criticize Mr. Trump or his voters. I think it's great that people come out and express that they want fewer taxes and more opportunities to make money and more freedom and security in their own land. I think it's great. But I believe that a person who expresses hatred in his speeches, who sells division, who attacks and offends, who appears to be dishonest, who covers up crimes, cannot be entrusted with the future of a great country like America. He only seemed a temporary solution with permanent side effects. However, I do agree with the former president that it is necessary to give voice and attention to those voters and what they represent. Yes, there is a voice that must be heard. Right, some things must be resolved in America and the world. And I don't think that 74 million people are crazy, bad or wrong. I believe there are 74 million Americans who are looking for something they thought they would not get from someone else. For these people, I tell them that there is a way to solve all the problems without the need for division and without the need to disturb the peace. Democrats or Republicans, Americans or not, all are welcome at Pine David to debate on ideas and solutions for the future of humanity. By the way, there is a famous quote by Mahatma Gandhi that reads, There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. many would be pointless without a home. Our home is planet Earth, not a bunch of bricks, wood and paint, or we would think of ourselves as very little people if so. To know oneself and others is just as important as to know the world around us. Next, the 18th of February will be a very special date for humankind. Or at least for those space enthusiasts and astronomy lovers. NASA's Perseverance mission will land on the Red Planet. It is not the first time a country goes by or stops at the fourth planet. Japan, Russia, Europe, India and the United States have already either flown by or landed on our neighbor. 
In this case, the Perseverance mission will conclude an over six month long journey that started last the 30th of July. It is expected to conduct experiments and collect samples for at least one Mars year, according to NASA's website. For those who didn't know it, a year on Mars is almost two Earth ones. It is 687 Earth days. If you, like me, are one of the guys who keep up with the space exploration topic, you could have been one of the almost 11 million people who registered to go to Mars on this mission. Well, at least our names. I'm going to share my boarding pass with you on social media in the following days. If you haven't added us, do it now. We will also share the link to sign up for the next Mars mission. I am so excited to have my name travel to Mars. It is not the first time though. Back in 2018, my name landed aboard the InSight mission. So, in theory, something mine is already there. It may seem foolish to you, but NASA has been giving these kinds of opportunities to enthusiasts from all over the world to participate in many ways. Challenges, live events, etc. And I am the kind of person that thinks, if there's a chance to do something, we have to take advantage of it. It is not the only mission on course to Mars this year. Last July, two more countries launched their probes. China will search the planet for signs of water, and the United Arab Emirates will examine the Martian atmosphere. They all chose similar dates because this time of the Mars year provides a better launch window, a more convenient trajectory to save fuel and energy. It is worth saying this is the first time the United Arab Emirates take a seat in space exploration on such a large scale. China's mission is not the first since they had already launched one in coordination with the former Soviet Union, but it's their first mission to Mars on their own. Despite the competition among space agencies, NASA is the one that has made more progress in this particular field to the extent that we know. Now, with the Perseverance rover, they plan to explore the past habitability of Mars. They will search the surface for signs of ancient microbial life and collect rock and soil samples with a drill. The plan is to store them in sealed tubes so a future mission can pick them up and send them back to Earth for further analysis. I've got a question for you, dear listener. What do you think they will be able to find? Do you think there could be life on Mars? Or could there have been life before? What about other planets? Do you think we are the only ones in the universe? Do you think our planet is the only place in the universe with life? Share your answers with us on social media. We'd like to know what you think. Just for the record, there's evidence that Mars once had liquid water on the surface. Today it is frozen, but it seems it once formed rivers and lakes, perhaps even oceans. Some scientists believe Mars once was an Earth-like planet that could have harbored life. It was hit by a huge rock, its axis was altered as a consequence, and the Sun did the rest by consuming the atmosphere and evaporating large quantities of water into space. 
Some others even believe it could have been the planet where life originated. Some microbes, so to speak, traveled aboard the remaining rocks of the collision and landed on Earth millions of years ago. When the circumstances on Earth favored them, these primitive forms of life started evolving. Of course, it is just a hypothesis rejected by most people, but still interesting. We might talk about this and other things, like panspermia, in a different episode. By the way, there's also frozen water on the moon, and water is one of the ingredients for life according to most scientists, especially when it is liquid. I think that liquid water is not necessarily the only means for life creation. Maybe methane or other gases, perhaps unknown ones, under unknown circumstances could yield conditions for life formation. There's a theory on this that we could later discuss. Although, at least for now, liquid water seems to be the only promising environment for life. There are millions and millions of exoplanets that could potentially have water and liquid water. There are millions of possibilities in this universe. Never forget that. And talking about possibilities, how likely is it that we ever colonize Mars? What is your opinion on that? And why do we want to go to other places and inhabit them in the first place? I've heard things ranging from That's impressive, great to know that we humans can do those things to That's pointless, we shouldn't be playing God. We should solve our local affairs first. But let me expand the panorama a little bit. It is not the first time we do it. Well, it's the first time we do it outside planet Earth. But between 70,000 to 150,000 years ago, the first humans abandoned Africa and migrated into Eurasia, presumably in search of food and shelter. But most members of the species decided to stay, which means there was food. Could curiosity have been one more ingredient in the recipe? And then, many more migrations took place along the millennia, giving place to a wide variety of cultures. Now, we know there's no such thing as race. All humans are identical in biology terms. However, an interesting question arises. Could we ever have this race problem again between people that are born on different planets and those who aren't? We can discuss this interesting topic later. Going back to the topic, today we want to explore the space. Astronomers are already planning to colonize Mars and the Moon. Businessmen like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have invested large quantities to make this dream come true. They think that by 2050 there should already be a colony outside planet Earth. That sounds great, but what are the implications? Mars, the Moon and any other place beyond our territorial boundaries are considered international waters. It means Operations there will be regulated by international law, while there are no space laws as such. Well, there's an outer space treaty that says that no one can own the moon, though there are one Chinese flag and six American ones, or remains of them. Besides, some countries are planning to mine asteroids to extract precious metals. We have a lot of things to think about on this subject, because it seems that, although all advance in science and technology is done in the name of humankind, it would not be surprising that not all mankind got benefited from space exploration and its positive results, 
Of course, if we don't do the right thing this time, since the very beginning. Alright, I am excited as my name is 18 days away from landing again on Mars. Would you like to live on Mars one day? Share your opinion on our social networks. Alpine David become the first online platform 100% intended to bring together all people across the globe and change the world. Join. Participate in our community by becoming one of the first members of our human network, the evolution of the social network. You will be able to post and interact on our global network too. Learn from and make friends with flesh and blood people like you and me who want to change the world through knowledge, peace, friendship, love and good values. Share your ideas and projects, teach about those things you're passionate about and tell our community how you want to change the world. Take an active role in our forums, discussions and live events to make good ideas come alive in real time. Reach every corner and get to more people by contributing with your own articles, opinions, analyses and any kind of peace and knowledge message you want to share with the world on our public platforms. Get guidance, help, company and love from all your new friends at the Pine Davids community to change your life and become a better you while you make a better world. Subscribe. Subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss out on any news. Follow us on social media. Find us as PineDavidCom on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Check out our channel on YouTube. Like our posts and share our links to make this project grow up. Support. Make a donation. Help our project continue to be independent, ad-free and secure for our members. Uniting humanity isn't an easy task. Our project is so ambitious that we need a lot of support. It doesn't matter if it's a cup of coffee, a computer, books or money. We accept anything on the condition you donate it from the bottom of your heart. Thank you so much. If you want to join, subscribe or support, go to our website for more information. It is pinedavid.com. Thank you so much for listening to us. Contact us to suggest topics or improvements. We will be glad to hear from you. Listen to us next Saturday. This is your friend David Pineda. Bye for now.